0: I was just gonna say.
1: Ah! <laughs> I have a mouth and i yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Welcome to NoClip. I'm Chad Griffin. I'm JJ Artimez. And I'm Andy Kinney. And today we're going to be talking about Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice, which was released in 2017, developed and published by Ninja Theory, um, which I think we have to get out of the way immediately. (laughs) The reason that people talk about this game, well, I'm saying this now, which might show a little bit of my bias on this, Mm -hmm. but the primary reason this game was brought up is because Ninja Theory decided to make this game on sort of a shoestring budget. Um, It is referred to as like an independent AAA game. Uh, And I think a lot of what we say sort of has to be taken in light of that. Um, and specifically how this could have maybe been not the best idea. <laughs> uh, anyway, it did, it made back its money, it was generally commercially successful, and a lot of people praised it, um, for some of the, uh, thematic things that the game did.
2: And the sensitivities. I, I gotta give props to a game whose literal first credit is, like, their mental health advisory contact. Right.
0: Well, which they actually worked with, like, uh, numerous people, in that in that field to sort of
2: create an accurate depiction of psychosis um, yeah so the goals the goals here or from the top to the bottom, especially considering it's coming from ninja theory are a wonderful <laughs> the ability to make something this beautiful in the modern day uh, and not have it be like completely publisher backed is itself worthwhile uh, and when I put put this out in front, so we can set the tone for our later discussions that are going to probably veer into other downward, depressing trajectories. Yeah, that I'm happy this game exists,
1: and I do not think it is bad. Yeah, I I would agree with that. The um, the ambition or like the idea of doing a game like that's like this that is AAA quality. Yeah, for the most part, but without a studio like on a smaller budget is a good i think or an interesting idea uh and i think this was a good first attempt <laughs> but uh you know i'll leave it at that for yeah now. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough the the key here um Because,
0: yeah, with a publisher with, uh, like, a a lot of investors backing this kind of a a project, you probably wouldn't get the type of narrative that they went for. Like, especially when you're a name like Ninja Theory, because, uh, all due respect to them, like, their games are generally... Like, people like Ninja Theory, some more than others, and some people hate them for, uh, like... They did Other M, right? Yeah, I think they did Other M? Yeah, that's really the main thing, <laughs> yeah. is yeah, that they, they fucked did. up that game pretty bad, is why people don't like them. Otherwise, they're like a fairly well-rounded studio with like a catalog of releases. But Too many not... puns. Too many puns by saying well-rounded I in, suppose. in this context. Uh, <laughs> but it's a... But, this concept would be like, can we play this down? Can we make it less obvious what's going on, or just do away with the mental illness angle entirely? Yeah. I can imagine that conversation happening uh, in a
2: bigger thing, especially since they don't have like a big name yeah. to, the, to, to their company. This was a game that wanted to make you uncomfortable, uh, and did. It made me uncomfortable, but it made me uncomfortable to such an extent... That it made me not want to play the game or engage with it. Like, it was... (laughs) Like, it's one of those... Oftentimes, when games have to try and put forward really strong themes about dark things, Mm -hmm. they always have to present it with either some kind of mechanic set that allows you to keep you engaged anyway, and often undercuts the... Uh, intentional or otherwise, a lot of the, the punch of those kind of things, it was the kind of stuff that, that Spec Ops The Line was commenting about with shooters where in, in all the old Call of Duty games were trying to impart on you this sense of like war is hell, people die all the time no matter where you are, but everything that you were doing, the fun of that was all about being like, yeah! Shooting people! right? Uh, which of course, in Spec Ops, uh, which we'll talk about forever and never do an
0: episode on, <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> In Spec Ops, you have this uh, this loop that starts fun and then becomes boring because they want to uh, increase the contrast. Mm-hmm. Uh, which this this game doesn't go for that, like because no. it, it's not
2: trying to make that kind of a statement. No, this game is just oppressive for the most part, mm-hmm. just painful, just <laughs> uncomfortable. Uh, uh, it's yeah. It, it's art that's successful but it's not a goal that i think a lot of people are really going to want to pursue which is why this isn't the kind of project that would want that would normally have publisher backing because mm-hmm. who would want to you know put money behind a project where the end goal is to make the people who engage with it like deeply uncomfortable for a long period of time right now I- unless we have additional things to say sort of
0: like laying out the groundwork of what we're talking about i'd really like to get into why it is that this game becomes difficult to play specifically um the difference i presume exists between the way that you jj and i engaged with this game Mm -hmm. because you bring up the concept and i mean i feel like andy probably sits comfortably in a middle ground here where the theming of the game doesn't put you off um and you're probably not as upset about it mechanically as i was that sounds about right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could be the no-clip uh, psychologist. I know exactly how all of your minds work. Uh, <laughs> While well, the themes of the game and the way that they reinforce the mental illness don't put me off of wanting to play the game, they're actually the things that sort of kept me moving forward until I got to a point where I didn't want to continue moving forward anymore, but um, I feel like for me, anyway, it was a purely mechanical failing that made this game sort of
2: unenjoyable for me. Uh, yeah. It was... The way that I always tried to phrase it, and that was becoming clearer in my mind as I went through, was that this this game feels like the shortest padded game that I'd ever played. If If the mechanic set that existed in this game was all that they have and all that they wanted to go with, This game should have lasted for half as long as it did, and I would have been fine with it. But the mechanics just can't put up with the amount of weight that they were placed under for that long a period of time. We can't keep fighting the same, like, five different enemy types.
1: Yep, right. Yeah, I was really enjoying the game for, like, the first third. And then it's like, yeah, like, five enemy types and, like, like, three kinds of puzzles, maybe. Yeah. You know, and it's for, like... And it's like two-thirds more of the game left. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, well, i got to keep doing the same thing over and over. <laughs> find those runes.
2: I didn't even realize that it was... That, for me, I didn't know that I was like two-thirds of the way through. Because I was just under the impression when I started this. And be like, oh, it's going to be a really pretty, really tiny thing. And because I assumed it was tiny, I kept... And, and the narrative sets this up. Right... Every moment after you beat the first two zones, which I legitimately loved, and you go like to through the gate, across the bridge, toward uh-huh. what's supposed to be your end goal, and the cool I, thing like smashes you into the ground. Yes, every scene I thought was the scene that was to set up to the end of the game, and I was one third of the way through the game. I felt exactly the same way. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Every moment after that, I thought
0: was uh, was going to be the last thing. Yeah.
1: Well, they do such a fantastic establishing shot of that building or whatever you want to call it that big mass of wood that looks like an eagle or whatever it's yeah. supposed to look like like across that bridge like as soon as you walk out onto that beach and you see it you're like oh i want to get there yes like, that is my goal like, <laughs> Im- like immediately so when you like beat the first two areas and you open that door you're on that bridge you're like this is it <laughs> i'm there and it's like nope nope you have to, like, do a whole bunch more shit to get back there. Yeah. And that's the problem is that it was shit. <laughs> 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 because <laughs> it,
0: it got to a point where the things that you were doing stopped being engaging because you'd just done them a hundred times in a row. Yes. Uh, we, like, we will go, we will talk at length. About the aesthetic design and the way that the narrative sort of plays along. And, you know, all of the aesthetic stuff that makes this game what this game actually is in, like, a, a, a holistic sense. Yeah. But, my God, were they just like, how do we make this game longer than four hours? And they were just like, oh, just have him fight a guy. And then when he dies, put another guy there. And just do it over and over and over again. Repeat forever.
1: Give them shields. (laughs) Fuck that guy. So you can't hit (laughs) them at all.
0: Yeah. Did, okay. So we, I, we had, like you know a semi shared experience having both played the game and have already talked about it a little bit. You know the the anime type that's the barbarian,
2: the big dude with the giant wooden shield. Yeah. Uh, did you find an entertaining way to fight them? Yeah. You you press the punch button and you then they you break their guard and then you had them swords. That isn't fun though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there are two ways to fight them, which is to use the melee and then hit them once. And then go like, alright, hold on. Because they get the shield back up right right away. Or you dodge the attack and attack them once and do the same thing. Either one takes a thousand years and is boring.
1: Or <laughs> right, you have to build up the focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, you, so you just walk
0: you around them and do the heavy attack <laughs> until they die. Yeah. <laughs> but, that shitty enemy type aside. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I feel like the there's this part of the game... Uh, where you go into the admittedly very cool, like, river of blood with all of the corpses reaching yeah. out to grab you. When mm-hmm. I
1: played that part, I was like, oh, man. Chad is going to love that
0: part. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, it was super great. What a great yeah, way but, to end well, the game. Exactly. What a great last <laughs> yeah. level of the game. You
1: would think, like, literally, like wading through a river of blood in hell would be the end of the game.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I expected to get up to like the, the area where you go up like a, a hill
1: and there just to be like gygus there. Yeah. Like yeah. something
0: that was like, but, like final.
1: And it was it was so like visceral too. It's like the most like, terrifying and, uh, I say, like, realistic, because I don't know what other word to use, but, like, depiction of hell that I've ever seen <laughs> in yeah. the media. Like, it was disturbing and terrifying and off-putting. And then it's just kind of like, okay, let's move on from this yeah. to the next thing. Let's go, let's go some
2: dank <laughs> caves again. <Yeah. laughs> some nice cave Yeah, dankness.
1: it's like, and it, it ends up being, like, really downplayed.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, we're going to Helheim, right? And I've been only, like, kind of paying attention to the audio logs because they, they designed it in such a way that the audio logs stop playing yeah. if you walk too far <laughs> away from yeah. them. That's
1: the dumbest decision ever. <laughs> we, yeah,
0: we already had this conversation where it was like. You can go a certain distance from them, and then, like, it very quickly fades out. <laughs> so, it's like they tried to do the thing that other games do with, like, uh, when you get far enough away from something, the audio dims and then fades away, like, you can't hear it anymore. But it's just, like, full volume for, like, a hundred yards, and then, like, at 101 <laughs> yards, you can't hear it anymore, and it just, like,
2: really quickly just kind of moves yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it. I and mean, then it stops it playing and you can't walk back toward it. Like right. It, it, it just like, oh, you're bored with the audio track because you walked away from the physical object that it's producing. And I have to, like, I'll give them a uh, benefit of the doubt
0: because I'm me. Uh, because they use so many proper nouns in the audio logs that I was, it was really difficult for me to follow what that narrative was about. I'm sure that if I listened to it and, like, took notes... Or just was more familiar with Norse mythology. That whole bit probably was well written and good mm-hmm. because most of this game is well written and good in that regard. Right. Mm-hmm. But man, did I like like the end. The guy was like in Ragnarok. I was like neat, cool. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not
1: yeah. whatever. I guess <laughs> I think I was like just familiar enough with enough Norse names that I was able to follow it. That's
2: This plays in to part of my, like, big theory of contrast where I I think the things that make me disproportionately enjoy the quality of any piece of media I consume is oftentimes just how big the gulf between, like, the tonal highs and tonal lows are. Mm -hmm. This game is good at depicting what it's trying to depict, which is a tonal low. But it holds that note the entire time, and that's equally true of everything. It's equally true of the audio logs. Every audio log is like, And then a dramatic thing happened, (laughs) and the father and or son of this person did a thing, but he was betrayed. (laughs) Like, they're, they're well written and well recorded, but they're like the same, and so they just bleed into you, because there's never like... There's never a time where there's this like glorious happy moment where or where it sounds like the cadence of the speaker is different. The cadence of the speaker is always a guy depicting a legend in like a, yeah, a and solid he's got the tone. perfect
1: voice for it too. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. such a great delivery.
0: <laughs> but it is always it's very flat. It's yeah. flat Extravagance. Yes. (laughs) Where it's like a guy giving a lecture without a microphone to a group of 200 people. (laughs) Like, (laughs) he's got to deliver this information, so he says it loudly, speaking from the diaphragm. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, but
1: just, it's always the same. It's almost as if he's in a recording booth getting paid to say these things. This is the dichotomy, though. Because
0: while tonally it maintains good throughout, the the quality of the voice acting is actually, like, well above par. Oh, yeah, yeah. way above. Yeah. And I have to give a particular shout-out to the... Uh, the game, I think, refers to them as Furies, the voices in her head, mm. um, do such a good job of sort of providing that background To the point where I don't even really remember the music, because it wasn't anything special, really. Um, but I very distinctly
2: remember being harrowed by voices the entire time. Yeah. I wanted a scene in this game where she just like finds a flower and and like smiles like there's a <laughs> sc- <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what i mean by total contrast here
2: like she had her one flashback scene where she was running through the field of flowers meeting with the guy uh but surprise it's undercut by murder and death and horror oh yeah. what a shock i just wanted that's what that's the that's the difference is i mean i just wanted to be like oh man there was a nice flower Let's, like put it down. You needed
1: the contrast of like an actual, like normal happy moment. Yeah, I needed. To give the sad ones weight.
2: Right. I needed a light in the darkness. Mm-hmm. I needed contrast points. And this game didn't provide it because you you don't really ever see a time where she was happy and good. Which, I mean, I guess true to, you know, it seems... her crippling mental illness. Right. Like, there really wasn't a time where she was completely yeah. happy and good like, and beat yeah, this. Yeah, it's but...
1: suggested that she's been just. Fucked up since she was a child. <laughs> yes,
0: it's because the the illness, like the way that they depict it, they don't ever come out and say it. Which kudos to them for that, um, for ever exercising that level of like restraint. Um, but they basically imply that everyone that she ever interacted with just assumed that she was born with like a curse, and because it was a curse. She's never had a moment of being like, okay, everything is cool. Except for...
1: uh, I want to say his name's Dylan, but I don't know if that's correct. No, I
2: think it actually is Dylan.
1: Okay, I would say I don't even remember if they say his name, so we're gonna go with Dylan. So no, they say his
2: name all the time. Oh, do they? They're like, oh, dude, man, is that I Dylan? Not... Is what she says? Is she's you know, yeah. scared it... and terrified in the darkness? Maybe right.
1: it's because it wasn't a Norse name. <laughs> those, those are the ones I remember. Val Robin. yeah, Val but I
2: oh, Druth is a solid name. Druth
0: is a good name. Yeah, <laughs> uh, apparently it's the it, it means fool, or one who speaks the word of gods, which, to me, seem like opposite meanings. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but beyond that... Well, maybe the Norse just don't have very high opinions of their gods. The stories certainly didn't paint all of them in a positive light. That's true, and they did apparently construct a sword to murder them, so <laughs> they were like, these gods are really
0: cramping our style. Uh, what I was getting at, though... Um, Is the fact that so Dylan being the main driving force behind the whole plot of the game Mm -hmm. uh, is the tonal contrast point. Like the times when she thinks and talks about him tend to be the positive moments because she's always recollecting on the fact that this person gave her like the time of day. And uh, those are, but I mean, obviously the game doesn't show this like it doesn't show her being happy Mm -hmm. it
2: just shows her going through the horrible trials and striving to get the happiness back right like and that's part of the reason why so many of the scenes between her and dylan are the scenes where like she's having an episode and he's trying to help her get out of it right and like and i can understand while if you were a person in that situation like that's that's so incredibly valuable. That's something you would, that you, you would, of course, strive to cling to at all times. But for the for, for the tonal purposes that I'm looking for here, <laughs> I wanted a scene where they just like went picking flowers, or they were were just going out trying to grab food, or just doing uh, some, some approximation of normal in their life. You
1: need, yeah, like you needed a scene where you even like play through it, where it's just like a normal day in the life of her. And Dylan, or whatever his name is. Yes. They even have the moment for it after she gets knocked unconscious. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because the times where they show you what she's supposed to be fighting for, which is the ways that Dylan can help her through her situation, there's still sad times. There's still, like, Mm -hmm. horrible, depressing situations that he's (laughs) trying to help her through, admirably. And so, you know, it's a thing that makes her happy, but it's not a happy scene. Well, it's also, there's a way that the player
0: is contextualized in this game uh, through that opening uh, dialogue where you're on the boat, in that you are basically joining the narrator as a voice in her head. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's this weird contextualization where you, the player, can't really ever feel whole because you're a part of somebody who is not and I, I, the game, like, it goes out of its way to stress you out. It has a complete tonal package of a horror game with one, two, maybe, instances
2: of a mechanical horror conceit. That's a really good point that I never thought of. This game needed horror mechanics and more of them. Yeah, and the only thing that ever
0: shows up is a like, very beginning of the game. It says, like, if you die enough times, we're going to wipe your save, which I died a lot. Um. Really? Yeah. Well, it was mostly in one. Par- I'll just go ahead and tell the story now because it actually relates. Okay. The two horror mechanical scenes uh, that I can remember um, are one the one, uh, the the house the dark house where you have to like navigate through the darkness without. Ooh.
1: That might have been my favorite part of the game.
0: Yeah, it's really good. Me, me three. Yeah. yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, probably my second favorite, but we'll get into that in All a right. bit. Um, like, mechanically speaking. Um, yeah, that part is is good. It, it, it reinforces the sort of helplessness that you don't really have otherwise because you're kind of a, a fucking badass in combat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the scene where you're running away from the fire in the house. Um, is one of the other trials, which is kind of, which is a horror mechanic in as much as you can never like stop and rest. That is where I died a whole bunch because uh, the I think I was dropping frames or something on the Steam Link, and so every time that I would start. It would like delay for a second and then the screen would come in when I was like running into a wall. So I died like seven times right there. Plus normally throughout the game as you would just occasionally dying. And at no point did I think like, oh, this is probably my last life before my save gets deleted.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and there's also although it didn't really ever succeed in being very scary, like the you can't stay in the dark too long, or the beast will get you. It's kind of supposed to be a horror mechanic. That's
2: true, sure, yeah. That is my least favorite horror mechanic, because I, I disagree. It, it's used in the context of horror, and it sounds like a horror mechanic, mm-hmm. but I don't think it is. And here is my <laughs> argument for this. I mean, I uh, agree,
1: because it wasn't scary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I was scared. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I was. I don't think it was. Every
2: every game that uses the "when you're in the dark, you will slow, you will quickly die" system for horror, there are other games that use it as a super common trope for other things other than horror. Metroid Prime Two uses it as a different form of resource management. Yeah. Uh, but I'm gonna let you finish your point. But I think I have two counter examples. Okay. Every game that uses it makes it way way too predictable. What this needs to be scary—that mm-hmm. I have never experienced in all of my years of video gaming, which have, which have probably included dozens of circumstances where I had to go between safety zones in a <laughs> in a dangerous black place. Yeah. Uh, it's always, the second you're out of the light, an immediate meter starts, like a, a timer starts ticking down, and you, and you know you can reach the next one that you see, because it wouldn't be there if you couldn't reach it. Right. They obviously want to design these levels so that the point of light that you're seeing is the next direction you want to travel. It's just like basic 3D open world game design. So when everything's predictable, you're never in danger, and nothing is unknown, which is the exact opposite of what you want in a horror mechanic. Right. What I want in a mechanic like this is make when you're in the darkness don't just have stuff happen immediately just make it just seem fine for a little while and then like random roll some kind of horrible shit that'll happen okay. to you
0: so there is a game that did exactly that good um which is Amnesia: The Dark Descent oh fantastic have, yeah where you have like these slow san- the sanity meter that's like not displayed on screen it's not like a, an official UI element mm-hmm. but as you spend time in the darkness without a light um you slowly like lose Like, you start hearing things, you'll have visual hallucinations, things like that, um, which is kind of that. But I also think that your original argument kind of invalidates it because it isn't like a traversing between safety zones, it's more of a resource management thing. Yeah. My one example that I think is the correct way to do this, I love, because I think it it both succeeds in being exactly the trope of just not being able to be in the darkness for very long and also does it in a way that actually makes you feel nervous because you don't know when things are going to happen, the Gru in Zork, the, like, text adventure game? I've never played Zork.
2: Oh! How? I I, I don't know. sheer coincidence. I've seen plenty of Zork screenshots. (laughs) Yeah, That's (laughs) the thing I used to say.
1: Uh, Outlast came to my mind. I guess Outlast makes some amount of sense, but... Because, like, when you're in the dark, there aren't, like, safe zones. It's just you have the option to put up the camera and see. So you don't know if you were, like, going to, like, go through the dark and put the camera up and there's just gonna be Be a guy there, there. yeah. And you don't want to run out of battery, so you can't see the whole time. Yeah,
0: so that operates kind of in a similar way to Amnesia. Um, I think overall, I think... uh, Outlast probably does the darkness thing better, um, though Amnesia, better game holistically. Uh, but this isn't the point of the game uh, of this conversation.
2: Yeah. Either way, <laughs> I, I agree with you on the Outlast point, because the Outlast isn't really... This trope that I'm talking about is like safe zone to safe zone. Right. Outlast says... You have, a, you have safety that you can press at a button, and because you can't always use it, introduces unknowns naturally into gameplay, because right. you'll constantly have to put yourself into situations where you don't know what's in front of you, right.
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, which functionally simulates the kind of, like, we don't know what's going to happen in the dark kind of mechanic that I actually want to exist and stuff like this. But either way, that's my rant on why <laughs> I don't want any more horror tropes of, like, the darkness immediately comes to grab you if you spend any time in it. On a related note of
0: things that this game uses but doesn't do correctly, um, the sidling across a ledge thing uh, I wish would just vanish from existence Um, because every game does it the exact same way. There's nothing harrowing about it. You hold up direction on, on the analog stick and then you finish it. You just move slower for a second. It's exactly the same thing. Like You just see... You're like, oh, look, it's a passageway that's a little bit more narrow than the hallway. Or it's, like, a thing I'm going to have to crouch under. Or it's a ledge. You just keep... It does nothing. You know what's going to happen. There's nothing frightening that ever yeah, happens on
1: the, the, the correct way, I think, to use those is the way that, like, Zelda games do... Which is where it's like hiding a path. You're like, oh, you didn't notice that little ledge you could go across. That's the way to get up there.
0: Your other option is to give your player some agency of things to do when you're on the ledge so that you could theoretically throw an enemy at them and they have to fight them. But in this game, you're
2: just going to walk across a ledge and nothing's going to happen. In almost every like straight 3D modern game, you're just walking across a ledge and nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I think the reason why th- this mechanic, as it's implemented everywhere, is feeling feels so bad to us is because I frankly don't think it's for us players of the game. I think the mechanic is for trailers, and that's the only reason that it exists in <laughs> no, any yeah. game. Yeah. It's <laughs> a nice
1: action shot. Yeah, it's yeah. a
2: fantastic action shot. For when you're just watching what's going on passively, and that's it. Which is fine if there's something going on, but so
0: often you're just, like, uh, in a cave.
2: When I, when (laughs) I say something's going on, I literally just mean, like... Like what it does, like is a one-second
0: clip of, in a sh- in a of like somebody going past while they play exciting music. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like in a
2: film where they just like there's they just switch camera angles for a second while they go to a different thing. Right, that's what it seems like it's trying to represent because there's no actual tension there. Like, no. is there even a single video game in history where it's possible <laughs> for you to sidle on a ledge and fall, uh, metal yourself too?
1: I mean, Metal Gear Solid 2.
2: Um, (laughs)
1: Good job. You
0: can slip on bird poop and
1: fall if you don't (laughs) notice it in Metal Gear Solid 2. It's great. So, Chad, you play this on Steam, right? Yeah. Um, with a
0: Wii U Pro controller.
1: Okay. So, <laughs> when it were not sidling, really nice. uh, instead you were just going across planks of wood over top of We had pit. to do the balance thing. How did that work with the Wii U, or on the Steam, with the Wii U <laughs> Pro controller? <laughs> How did it work? <laughs> because, Presumably does on the, the PS4, PS4 or... controller have motion? Yeah, okay, right, I right, thought yeah. so. Because, like, the first, like half of the game I must have been sitting like super still because I didn't think you could fall off there. I just mm. always walked straight across with no issue. And then <laughs> I hit one where I must have been like, you know, like lounging. Right. And then like I just like immediately like fell off. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I thought it was just another the side of like, Yeah. Okay. So
1: Yeah, oh, so and it, from then on I was just like... You know, like, bracing <laughs> so my You also elbows. just
0: didn't, like, even engage with that at all? Like, it just was, like, a thing you walked across? I
2: never died.
0: I never died doing that. Wait, in the game at all? Ever. I never, ever died. Okay. Uh, in walking across the ledges, for me anyway, it felt like just, like, the Tony Hawk grind mechanic. Okay, <sighs> Like, so you would just, I- like, lean haphazardly from side to side, See, you had to correct with yeah, the analog. That's
1: what I assumed it was at first, mm-hmm. and then it seemed to not really do much of anything. So, then so it I was probably thought it was a... just like a do-nothing mechanic, but it, in fact it is like the gyroscope and the controller. You googled when,
2: this? You know this to be true?
1: I, I found out because when after I had fallen off of one of them, I was like, is this a thing? And yeah, it was. It uses the gyroscope. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So hmm. I must have just been super still <laughs> the first like half of my playing experience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just didn't I think notice.
0: Since this is the podcast where we discuss how other games did things better than this game did, <laughs> I want to shout out how much, like how no game ever makes use of the uh, the PlayStation 4's gyro controls except the greatest version of this, which is in... Um, what's that game with the skull? Until Dawn. In mm-hmm. uh, oh. Until Dawn, there's this fucking amazing mechanic where... Uh, if they're the creature, the creatures which are like your main monster anime in the game mm-hmm. are around. They can't see you if you don't move. So the game says, "Don't move the controller." And as long as you aren't aware of it, it's like literally the most nerve
1: wracking thing in the whole world. <laughs> you're just like, <gasps> can't move. Yeah, <laughs> can't breathe. When someone tells you you can't move, it then becomes really hard not to.
0: Yeah, it's it's insanity.
2: It's fantastic. Yeah,
0: it's really really good.
2: Yeah. Uh so you didn't die at all. I know yeah, which is part of the reason why the like the game's threat of will delete your save file if you're die if you die too many times
1: kind of rang hollow yeah. for me quickly. This uh totally tracks. For you, JJ, yeah. <laughs> that, nice. that you just didn't die at all. <laughs> My version... like, I, I played a lot more recklessly than you ever even thought of doing. Probably. Yeah. Like by the end of the game, I like the rot had spread all the way up her right arm.
2: Mm-hmm. I felt kind of cheated because there were lots of I think sequences in the narrative where the rot is pre-programmed to go up. Like I know for a fact that I never hit a death screen. Oh, yeah. But the rot the rot like jumped from like forearm to like above elbow yeah. after
1: like you fall off the bridge just like no matter what you do automatically. Yeah, yeah like she was defeated like in the narrative, so the rot was, right. moves up. Yeah. 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 Uh, it
0: does it, it actually it moves up really quickly um and then hangs around points for a while. Mm-hmm. From my experience, so like mine was at forearm after like two deaths. I think, like, the whole, far, far, like, you die, it was just, like, from wrist to here, and then you die again, and it goes up to the elbow, and then it stayed at elbow for, like, most of the rest of the game.
1: I actually think that they balanced it really well, mm-hmm. um, because, like, for me, like, I died or failed stuff enough times that, it, like, it always felt threatening and, like, a bit stressful. Right. Like, oh, man, is it gonna actually get to my head? but i think they balance it in such a way that like it it won't happen to the vast majority of people but then they'll always feel like it might you know like they hit that like kind of sweet spot
2: it won't happen to anybody and that's because and i'd like to point no. out this is not a criticism of the game i think it's actually a good decision on their part uh, people tested this almost immediately after the game comes out it's a hollow threat yeah, the game will delightful. never delete your save no matter how many times you die ever Huh. Yeah. It just lies to you to make you feel that so way. So it can it can never spread to her head. Uh, no, you can sit there and just let things chop you to death over uh, and over again. That's not the fastest way to do it. Trust me. <laughs> 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 of course you would know. Yeah, speedrunner of murder of myself. Yeah, yeah if, you did,
0: if you want to die a whole bunch of times, just go to that one part with the fire and then just let it run you over yeah. over and over again. But I
2: want to reinforce that I don't consider that a criticism of this game. With I think it's, if anything, a good decision. Like You get the benefits of both worlds. I feel like the fact that it's an empty threat makes people... This is what I was going to yeah, bring kinda up. Yeah,
1: I kind of don't like that.
0: Yeah, because I Googled it as well um, after finishing the game. And realize that it was not real, uh, and that is—I don't know. Like, part of me thinks like, "Oh, this should probably be a real thing because
2: yeah, if, it if you're would gonna, be interesting." I mean, if
1: you're gonna make the claim, I right? Mean, yeah, don't just like lie about but it.
2: Claim, but gays make impo- implied claims like that all the time in the narrative. They just rarely True, do it but, in text. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but they just
1: come out and say it in this game. Like, I know. I and, don't know. I don't
2: think the jump. But beti- I don't think the jump between like. Uh, Oh, no, the fire is going to get you when you're running out of this house that's collapsing. Mm -hmm. And the game just literally coming up with text on the screen saying, like, you're going to die forever if you don't do this thing. Mm -hmm. I don't consider the difference between those lies particularly meaningful. Mm. I mean, we're playing a game. Everything is a lie. All all that we experience (laughs) is lies. We are here for the lies. And I'm... I'm alright with that. Yeah. Now, if this was an eSport and they lied about a mechanic, that would be, <sighs> be something the worst. else. Yeah, yeah what well,
0: well, <laughs> the, re- the reason I think it's an empty threat, and the, re- or the reason that I think that the fact that it is an empty threat is problematic, uh, is mostly just because the game uses it as a way to build tension, and I feel like the only people who would feel the tension are people who are doing particularly badly at the game yeah. up until like the very end, because naturally, I would say, most players will have enough deaths that it starts to be like weigh on them. And I, I think that that's really, it's important to do that, because I can imagine somebody going and just going like, look, I've already died this many times, I'm just going to die a whole bunch more times... <laughs> To reset and just try again and die less. <laughs> and I feel like that would be a huge... Like, that person hates this game. Yeah. The person who yeah. did that. <laughs> but I don't know. My question for you um, is how quickly you,
2: like, grasped the mechanics of this game with no explicit tutorial. I liked that decision. Thought it was a bold move. Uh, like that, they that they gave themselves the cheeky out of the pause screen. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but and, I'm, and I'm glad I did not find the cheeky out until after the uh, initial combat. Like I was like I was sitting there uh, playing it with Rachel beside me. Uh, and so we're trying to, like, go through the tutorial of this game, and a guy comes out and just starts hitting you with a sword in a very obvious, this is a telegraphed animation kind of way. And I'm Like, like oh, we will see for the rest of the game. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, wait, there are things that I'm supposed to be doing right now? And it just makes you panic and start pressing random buttons. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, you know, I, I learned the dodge button, the block button, and the light attack button, and just used that to beat the whole first fight. And then after that, just, like, saw the stuff in the pause menu, by, by coincidence, when I paused the game once. Yeah. Uh, the, but the pause menu doesn't actually explain everything.
0: Because I didn't know that you could parry in this game until, uh, like, maybe 30 minutes from the end of the game. Wow, really? Yeah, like, I just didn't know as a mechanic. He told me that you could charge attacks. I'd never done it. Um, up until it was the fight with the dog guy. The beast. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, And, I mean, so I basically used the light attack and the dodge for
2: the whole game. They kind of half-tutorialized charging and some other, like, light later unlocked ancillary mechanics through the use of the voices, which is something that I thought was pretty cool. The voices literally say, like, like charge... I feel. I don't think. I don't remember it being as explicit as charge your heavy attack. It might have been <laughs> charge your strong attack, but it was something close to that explicit. I, about as explicit as like the Doki Doki Literature Club <laughs> ending scene of like go into the files and delete stuff. It's, right. Yeah. But uh, it,
1: it yeah, was, That's not even how I figured it out. Like I just uh, because like in especially in combat, like I was. I did not pay attention to the voices. Like there were certain times where they they'd fade in and out. Yeah. Um. And it's just, whenever you do, like, a full combo, she kind of, like, takes longer to do the last swing, and, like, just through seeing that, like, just caused me to push the button longer, and I just, like, noticed that, like, it, like, the sword started to glow, and I was like, oh, can I charge attacks? Uh, Like, it was just through, like, natural experimentation that I figured it out. I don't know
0: if I ever did one successfully, because after you told me I could, I remember I was trying to charge light attacks. And, like, couldn't get it to work consistently Mm. because it never works. (laughs) Uh, And then from that point, I just kind of, like, gave up on the whole idea and just never did it. I also never blocked. I knew it was there, but I couldn't fathom why I would ever want to in comparison to just moving and attacking. That 95% of my deaths in this game that weren't caused by running into a wall and then being murdered instantly were because I was impatient. Like, I just was like, I just want this to be over to move on to the next
1: thing. I never blocked either. It has, like, the Kingdom Hearts 2 block problem, where it, like, it takes too long. It has too much, like, of a wind-up. And it just feels, it's like, it would just be ten times more effective to just dodge.
2: I kind of just parried everything. Right. How do you parry? Uh, you block at the at oh the when they attack. Moment, okay. Maybe. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah never I, tried, I, like, I beat was just the easier. game
1: not knowing you could parry. Mm. Wow. So yeah, I, I
0: learned about parrying from like just an ancillary Google search. Like I found so, I was looking for some other thing, and they were like, "Just parry this guy." I
2: was like, "What the fuck? How do you parry?" What? Yeah, I just got lucky. I think. I literally parried on... Obviously on accident, because you can't do it intentionally without knowing it. Like, the first attack that I'd ever tried to actually block. Mm-hmm. And from there... And there's the difference between, why didn't I knock it away? And why didn't I just do this thing? And from right. there, I was golden. So. Yeah. That's the one thing that I... I mean... I don't think it would have made the combat that much more engaging, realistically, because the enemies are just too vanilla. Yeah. Like, I was fine with the combat systems all the way through the the, the first two big zones. I thought they worked well. I particularly liked the Raven boss. I remember he, him having enough variety in his animations and attacks and the daggers and all that stuff yeah. that, it, that it was a, a fun fight. But no. Knowing about, knowing about literally everything you can do in combat, which I know that I did... Uh, it does not uh, does not get through the repetition
1: yeah it sits at this weird middle ground where it's like it doesn't have enough depth to like be fun the whole game mm-hmm. and it like you almost feel like it would be better if they had just like a simpler like system and like focused more on the puzzles or something you know it's
0: yeah, I, I never want to criticize somebody too harshly for doing something that's unique, but I feel as though this game would have benefited a lot from just not having the combat mode where you're locked into, like, strafing. Mm-hmm. I think if you had, like, control over your character and could, like, move around things, it would solve a lot of the design problems inherent with the way that they do it. Because, like, the main obstacles to get over in combat in this game are somebody is invulnerable for no reason other than to make you have to use a mechanic or somebody hits you from behind, which they warn you about. So it's not even that big of an obstacle, but it is an obstacle. And if they allowed you to have more of a field of vision, they could have actually done more interesting things with the characters. Cause there's nothing engaging, more engaging about the berserker enemies with the two axes that like just attack constantly than like a regular guy with a knife because it's the same mechanic the whole time like you just dodge the attack attack mm-hmm. it back and then repeat forever it's just the amount of time you yeah. have to spend and then, on defense yeah like
1: the enemies themselves feel less like five different enemy types and more like five variations of the same guy
0: yeah it's the white skeleton the red skeleton and then like the <laughs> crystal skeleton from the end game of the rpg
2: yeah mm-hmm. I also think this could have, even with the the small amount of variety present here, I think if there was a greater punishment to failing uh, at a lot of these trials, they could have done a lot more with it. Because if there was greater punishment or more permanent punishment for just getting hit once, I don't know how quickly damage heals off of you, but it it feels pretty fast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, If if that wasn't the case, then... They could have gotten away with making a lot of the combats a lot shorter mm-hmm. and not having repeat enemies, which would have helped mm-hmm. on timing as well. Yeah. yeah, And then
1: the way they scaled up difficulty was just like, let's throw like 12 more guys <laughs> <laughs> at once. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And it's like and, and most of them, they act like, uh, like enemies do in video games because they don't want to overwhelm the player mechanically. They want the player to feel overwhelmed.
2: Yeah, and you, sometimes you can even see them. Yeah, and you just walk
0: away. Like, you just back up, and, and like, you'll heal up by the time they make their mm-hmm. slow-ass way over to you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's never been... I don't know. Conversely, I thought the boss fights were actually really good. Um, pretty much throughout the game. I, I, I think I've enjoyed almost all of them, except for... The Beast. Yeah, who just, like... I don't know if it was my vision thing, how I just, like, have a difficult time discerning what's going on uh, in a fight that's, like, obviously about making it difficult to discern what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that I didn't know about the charge mechanic, which apparently can, like, hit him out of his invulnerable state. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I Yeah, that, that fight was just tedious and boring for me. And uh, you kept going, like, do this thing! Do this other thing! Why aren't you doing this thing? And I'm just like... I don't know what's happening, when it's happening, why it's <laughs> happening or how to do
1: anything about it. Right. So,
0: and the game doesn't tell yeah, you. Yeah, and you
1: didn't know that like slashing at like the empty uh, air while they're invulnerable like charges your focus faster. Right. I didn't, didn't either. Yeah, if like the enemies like throw down like even the regular enemies throw down like the smoke and they go invulnerable, mm-hmm. you just kind of like hack at the smoke, it like fills your focus up like super fast. So that you can then just kill them regular. <laughs> Just which, all, which it was comes right. in very very handy on that boss. Yeah, yeah.
2: I was always kind of unclear on what caused your focus meter to so. Uh
1: I think it's dodging attacks, and then for some reason attacking, hitting smoke. ghosts, smoke men.
0: <laughs> yeah, dodging, parrying, and then I guess yeah, swinging wildly at. Yeah, and armies. I think
1: actually just like hitting enemies a bunch, just like with regular attacks, fills it up, but like super slow. Yeah. Uh. Uh, unless you have something super interesting, I wanted to Take circle back yeah. to something JJ said at like the beginning of that conversation where you said you thought it was a bold move for them to not have like a tutorial. Yeah. I agree with that statement, like on paper. But like while playing this game, I feel like I didn't even really notice that. And the fact that it didn't have a HUD either, something I didn't think about till like after I finished the game. Right. And it's like, when you hear someone, like, that stuff's praised all the time. Like, oh, no tutorial, no HUD. Like, people praise Eco for doing that, like, in the PS1 era, or PS2 era. I I I bought a
0: copy of the King Kong video game because somebody was like, this game's amazing. There's no HUD.
1: Yeah. Uh, And I just, I don't know. I'm questioning how, like, bold it actually is if it's something I didn't even think about until, like, after I finished the game. There's so like many... in reality, you know, like perception versus the reality of the yeah. situation. right. There's a ton of games now that have gotten so good with selective HUDs
2: and natural tutorials that I don't think the gap between it's only present and only for a little while and only when you need it. Is that large between that and just not having it at all? Mm-hmm. Like in the early days, in the days when Eco came out and everyone flipped shit, it's because the very concept of like a HUDless game right. was completely ridiculous. Like there was there were so many things that would be in the way yeah. all the time if you because it was so much harder to convey information. Right. Uh, but nowadays, we're like we've just gotten better at this. Like mm-hmm. lo- it's really comparatively easy for people to either make sure you can have really complex huds even but just run with intelligent enough systems that they are when they need to be out of the way to keep things pretty they are mm-hmm. like I, don't, I like i don't think this game is the fact that this game has no hud i feel like doesn't make it significantly better or more atmospheric for that reason than like the way breath of the wilds huds went away every time you were just out walking around
1: mm-hmm. right
2: like i feel like both are equally good I mean, that and that even exists as, like, a toggle option in a lot of games
0: at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this game obviously had that in mind when it was being developed. Now, I'm not going to make a claim about the chicken or the egg here, but, like, the part of the reason why the kind of unengaging regenerating health mechanic exists is because of the lack of a HUD or vice versa. Um, either they set out to make a game without a HUD, and that basically requires regenerating health if you don't want to go all in on trying to like signal to the player how much health they have left in a diegetic way. Mm-hmm. Um, or they had regenerating health and then said, well, why do we even need a, like, a meter or anything, so just get rid of it. Yeah. Which they still do have a meter in the form of the mirror that mm-hmm. shows you how much focus you have. But even that I felt like could have been taken off, because like they yell at you every time that you have focus. So. Yeah. <laughs> true yeah the you...
1: voices do help with that like they do a lot of the work of the hud
0: yeah and i think that was a really good decision
1: mm-hmm.
0: on that note
2: do we want to take a break i could use some more coffee Yeehaw. all right
1: break time
2: to keep up my podcast excitement
1: i don't know oh, what
2: we're i will podcast ahead. with you and ragnarok oh don't don't <laughs> don't say the phrase ragnarok
1: <laughs>
0: Welcome back from the break. Well, I think we were a bit negative. Uh, <laughs> just use hand. To put it lightly, I guess. Um, like, I, we started with
2: mechanics, and they deserved it.
0: Yeah. well, <laughs> We didn't even intend to start with mechanics, but I assumed that the blood was boiling mm-hmm. coming into this, and so we just had to go in on that. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even really talk about the puzzles other than they were boring and lackluster, which is all that they need to needs to be said about them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but this game does do shit well, uh, and specifically that shit is uh, one: this game looks really good. And Yee. two, they have good actors doing lots of good things in it. Um,
2: Scary eyes. Scary. Mocap eyes, eyes very terrifying. Uh, both, uh, most particularly on the player character. Right. Uh, that blue paint used to accent those constant, like, wide, white orbs freaked <laughs> the fuck out of me all the time. Uh, and, like, actual just FMV through all of the other people. Mm-hmm. There was such a
0: struggle for me at the beginning to be like, Am I really looking at just, like, a dude? Like, are we, <laughs> yeah. are we Night Trap up in here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were, yeah. That was full FMV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very jarring. It's a... kind of like the ATM machine. I should have just said
1: entirely FMV, not full, full motion video. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, very jarring. Uh, especially what stood out to me the most, that one scene where she's, like, laying on the ground, and then he's, like, mirrored, like, you know, like, laying... Uh, next to her and it's just like that's a guy that's a and real that is, guy and that is a rendering of a video game character yeah, yeah. <laughs> like
2: and I'm glad it's jarring <laughs> it works for the jarringness they're trying to impose there yeah
1: yeah. I,
2: I feel like
0: it only the only time that it feels like because obviously I, I, well I say obviously I assume that this is done to cut costs, because you don't have to render a person. You just put in the the clip. Yeah. Um, Obviously, it's more complicated than just being, like, cut-paste in (laughs) Adobe Premiere. But uh, it's like they have this situation where they don't have to make a whole new thing at the potential risk of it looking super silly and stupid. Mm -hmm. I mean, they avoid it, like, 90% of the time. Agreed. But there are those occasions Mm -hmm. where, like, you see, like, the full body shot of a guy, and you're like, they must do doing here
2: in my game mm-hmm. being a weird regular man. It's because the 90% where they avoid it are is because they constantly present the FMV videos as like, you know, psychic like like paranoid. That's enough.
0: that's the other way to do FMV. <laughs>
2: Videos, full motion video videos. <laughs> <laughs> is, you just have, they seem like paranoid delusions, mm. which is fine because then they always like shade them or they make the lighting weird. They do stuff to obscure them. Right. So you get this cool effect where you seem, it, it seems like you're looking at a ghost, but the ghost feels like real, like it's a real ghost that's coming for you. It, yeah. it, the eyes seem more disturbing because they move like a real person. Uh, but when they remove a lot of those obscurities, like in a lot of the scenes that have. I don't know, what's his name, like Jillian or something? What's the man? The I think man? the dude is, uh, is... Devrin? Is Druth. No, oh, no, not Druth. The guy you're in love with. The guy who's lying to you. Dylan, Dylan, that's it. We've said it. This is gonna... Because we took kind of a long break just
0: now. To most people, it's been like eight seconds since you last <laughs> yeah. said Druth.
2: Both um, both are in character Dylan, rather Both yeah. of them are things that I would do in either case. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, because... They always want to make him seem like clear and important and close to you. They don't want to give him like the crazy distance that like Jeruth has, is this like mysterious over entity? When that means they just generally show him to you, and then you're just like, oh, it's a, it's a new yeah, dude. Yeah, I,
1: I kind of wish that they would have actually had a character model for that character.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Since they were presenting him in that way, <laughs> like it, it's so
0: effective at the very beginning of the game, where it'll just like he just like kind of busts in on the frame. Like it's usually like a super uncomfortable close up of his face. But then as the time goes on and the more aware you as a person become that it is in fact full motion video, you go like okay, this is becoming less <laughs> jarring every time and more weird and silly. Yeah. But that's like that's like the one bad thing that this game did visually. Mm-hmm. Albeit, I think that maybe some of the, like, camera nonsense got a little bit, like, it felt like
2: too much clutter at some times. I frankly didn't even think that the decision was bad overall. I would have, if I was presented in a world where everything was modeled, or they did exactly what they did with the FMV warts and all, I would have preferred the FMV. It, it's a, it was a unique enough decision, it save the money, and it means somewhere, someone actually has, like, the Druth headdress... There's <laughs> a guy. There's like all those accessories. Those exist in reality. Yeah, that dude's Halloween
0: is set for life. <laughs> yeah. You got the voice to back it up too. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. oh presumably, I don't. I didn't look into this. There's like I guess a slim possibility that they had a different guy do voiceover. <laughs> he actually has like a small mousy voice, and they just had like a big buff dude come in and be like, oh. Yeah. Senua. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why in my mind it sounds like uh, Sylvester Stallone. It's probably not what's actually hey, happening. Senua. Senua. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Good
2: things. Good elements of visual design, forcing things onto rails. Yeah. Uh, this game has the most subtle, like I want to lead you in a direction mechanics. That, that not not really mechanics. The, the, the stereotype that is now, like, common in 3D video games, where everyone has to try and find their own way to lead the player naturally into a direction they want to go, but they don't put a line on the floor. Yeah. Like, that our
0: oft-discussed shitty
2: arrow Yeah, we, like, we've talked about yeah. it several times. Yeah. This game wins the, like, least shitty arrow competition, in my experience. The... Oh, that's gonna be our year end. We'll do a we'll do an awards show for our year end for twenty eighteen. Least <laughs> shitty yeah. guidance arrow. <laughs> Specifically, I think of all the different ways they do this, the one that takes the cake uh, is the in one of the very first things that I experienced. Because so many of my favorite memories of this game come early, uh, is the flame section where you're going through fire guys world and just things subtly start to like light on fire when you get near them. If you're going the right direction. Right. That is cool. I think, yeah, Uh, I agree with
0: a lot of that. However, it does kind of highlight one of the things that I don't like much about this game, which is uh, how valuable to the game. Do you think it really was to have you backtrack through the areas after you finish
2: them? This game wants to be slow all the time. True, but I, I think like... it wants
0: to be slow so that its total hours count is higher. <laughs> Fair. Like, Fair. I don't think that it wants to be slow for any other reason, because they don't do anything with that time. Occasionally they'll have someone, like, talk, but, like, you're going back through the same areas, so there there aren't new audio diaries. There's not, uh, they, they don't put any enemies in your way. All it is is just occasionally you'll get some, like, voiceover from the narrator, and that's it. Yeah, I I,
1: I would guess that it was for, like, realism, because this isn't in a game where you get to, like, warp. True. Or anything like that. Like, oh, nope, Sanua had to walk back, so you do too, <laughs> you know? Is, this is like a solid narrative game with lots of cuts.
2: You know, think the yeah, cut between when you true. fall off the bridge and wake up. It's willing to take... It's not a continuous experience where you follow the character. Right. I just think... Not all of the decisions, I, I think, to slow the game down were bad. The great acting in this game is very slow acting. Every, like, of the many, like, wails of pain and agony that yeah. your character emits. They're all very extended wails. <laughs> 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 and then I was including that when I was talking about how slow the game was. I, I it, it seemed to match to me that you had this time to just, like, walk around without any paranoid delusions. It's almost like... Those times when they the two times that they happened felt like rewards to me, especially after the Raven guy. Yeah. Because after you kill him, there's no more illusions, and everything's like bright and cheery all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this is some approximation of normal. Especially if
1: you're like me, and that boss fight took like 20 minutes. <laughs> um, there is one I don't know. You may not have found this, Chad, because you're you. Um, <laughs> That's fair. A walking back from one of the two. I think it was the illusion god. Uh, there is a spot where, like, when going forward through the area, you had to like climb up out of a cave. When you come back, I did find this. Okay, yeah, it's like you see like a like a vision of your mom's face in yeah. the mountainside, and you focus on it, and she talks to you. It's like that's only visible on the when way walking back. back. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's still something that could have been put somewhere else, but it is yeah. actually a valuable thing that occurs during that. Right. So I, I can see there's more of an argument for it. Maybe that I no, would have thought, but, but yeah,
1: I lean towards JJ side too. Like those, I liked those moments. Like they, yeah, they felt like a nice release after like. Going through this stressful gauntlet of mm-hmm. yeah. bullshit.
2: There weren't many releases like that again. Yeah. A lot of slow moments, a lot of puzzling moments, but never a moment of where the game was just like, "You're fine, everything's fine." Ignore the bodies on stakes, though; those are still going to be around. But you know, <laughs> they aren't—they're dead, unlike the other not dead things that are coming to kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of those games where everything that isn't a hallucination is either already dead or trying to kill you, or both. Yeah, which saves money. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. 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 This is this is the reason why. Like, we're just starting to hit the point where people are starting to have post-apocalypse fatigue, (laughs) and I'm worried once that fatigue starts to get stronger, because then we're gonna, it's gonna put disproportionate pressure on developers to make like lively, more lively, believable worlds. Uh, which is
1: hard. Yeah, <laughs> you still got ruined fantasy world. <laughs> Basically, the same thing. Yeah, with fantasy paint. But yeah,
0: but <laughs> is notably different from a tonal perspective. because yes. all of the things that like become popular and become like things societally are done because for some reason, mm-hmm. like nobody set out to make a zombie game because they thought that zombies were the coolest thing in the whole world. What? Like. I think that zombies are just too convenient not to be used as enemies. You look at, like, Night of the Living Dead, right? The thing that that canonized zombies in, like, American culture is, like, zombies are being used as a metaphor in Mm -hmm. that movie, and it's sequels at least up until Land of the Dead, and then I don't really know what happened. Um, (laughs) That's a a whole conversation for only me to have. Uh, And then I feel like the whole post-apocalypse thing is in the same boat, where it's like, yeah, post-post-apocalyptic literature has existed since like the the eighteen hundreds, but it's like adopted to video games in this in full force because it means they don't have to like program people walking around. Yeah, yeah. Right. And this this game is like, well, it's kind of like that, but in the afterlife, Ceramist,
1: in the afterlife,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: official soft drink of <laughs>
2: afterlife. afterlife. <laughs> I can see some, some <laughs> Sierra fist being passed out in purgatory. It seems it's like, oh man, you've got like a seven hundred and thirty-six that- year wait. <laughs> it's like, you have
0: any sprite?
1: No. <laughs> Hellblade Sierra set. <satisfied. laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that, but anyway. Uh, What were we talking about? How Hell doesn't have Sprite? Oh, no. We were talking about how
0: (laughs) this game is not quite a post-apocalyptic game.
2: Right. uh, But it shares like, visual similarities to it. Yeah, and, and somewhat of a tonal consistency, too. I, mean, I was just talking about it and, frankly, referencing as a, as a future prediction that we're going to hit a point where people are going to be, like, wanting friendship to be done in a way that that is distinct from films and unique to games, and that's mm-hmm. going to be so hard. Until the AIs take over, and then we're going to be fine, because we'll yeah. have plenty of those. But uh, we'll all be dead. Yeah. <laughs> but thematically, game does a good job of making you feel kind of alone. The places that you're in do start to get a little bit samey with a couple of very strong exceptions. Whether I'm outside or inside, I still felt like I was uh, in like a horrible torture dungeon place. Well, well, yeah, and importantly, when you're outside, you're in
0: like a bowl-shaped... Like area, like the way that they construct the levels are always sort of like you can see out there, but you really only have this like circle that you can walk around like an enclosed in. Space. Yeah, and, and when like you're inside, you you're whatever. inside a dank cave mm-hmm. where it's uh, so you're limited in both senses, and there's not a whole lot of variety in terms of uh, like the actual play space visually. A plus, like I think. They nailed it in both cases. Dank caves are still scary, even if they're not visually interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the world outside looks like
2: like raining hellfire. <laughs> the, the lighting distortion effects do mm-hmm. so much work in this game. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah, a lot of things look a little bit sickly. You know what I mean? Like a little bit yellowish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, like there's no unmolested
2: plant life around. It's mm-hmm. always... Like it's
1: all a little bit dead.
2: Yeah. I think my favorite psychotic distortion... Uh, is the recurring one of things get black and white blotchy that mm-hmm. happens, and, and I, I have no idea what triggers it, and I have no idea what it's supposed to be associated with tonally. But there are just tons of moments where you where it it feels sufficiently foreboding when you're just walking, uh, and then like. It's so weird to look at visually that I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. Any description that I that that I can think of that comes to mind when you're talking about like black and white blotches is either silly or happy, like Dalmatians, zebras and other things, and it doesn't really imply the sense of like twisted foreboding that it, it signals to you as a player.
0: Yeah, this game did such a good job visually that it makes me like there's a game that I'm kind of looking forward to in like a gross weird way um (laughs) called agony which is like supposedly supposed to be a game about actually traversing hell um but they're going for this very literal specific interpretation where everything's all high poly and like well rendered i I love the way this game actually like does the more metaphorical version of hell in every moment of it, where things don't look right, there's corpses all over the place, but they kind of blend into the scenery, like it's almost normal that they're there. Yeah. That I'm afraid that, like, any literal depiction of hell is gonna seem, like, hokey in comparison.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, too video gaming. Yeah. Yeah, like I said earlier, like, this feels like the most realis- realistic depiction of hell that I've ever seen represented in media. Right. And... Like I, I really mean it. That <laughs> was, was not hyperbole you know, or exaggeration. Like, like you, that was a great uh, point you brought up there, where it does feel like the corpses are just a natural part of the landscape, and it makes me wonder, like, how many I walked past without even noticing them. Exactly. It's a, it's, a, it is a realm of endless suffering, and that is all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, there's a lot of stuff like that that kind of think weighs on you subconsciously while you play. Yep. And you don't realize it till you're talking about it like this. <laughs> on a podcast. Yeah. A lot of weights. A lot of weights carried. No, but um, at the very beginning, like, right after the break, you said uh, we were negative, but there's a lot of things that this game does well. And uh, I think... I disagree. I think it's all bad. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> I've I, I changed my mind. Uh, um, <laughs> no, but I think when this game... Uh, is at its best it's because there's a lot of little elements working together Um, and those elements are like the visual design like the environmental design the voices in her head like the threat of the rot etc like all those little elements like they're points, and they're strongest in the first third of the game, I think. I think we all agreed. Yeah. yeah. Um, where they really work together in unison to, like, make, like, they really put you in the character's shoes. They make you feel uncomfortable. They make you feel, like, almost, like, guilty. Like, you know, you feel like, you, you know, you did something wrong, and you're going out to write it through this hellscape. Yeah. You know, and it all really works, and I think the game falls down a bit after the first third because those elements start to kind of pull apart. Mhm. And uh, so that that's my my kind of take. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, on the audio and visual my my design. rant there.
0: Yeah. I think that all kind of works together. I think that the timeline that you set up is pretty much like spot on. If you graphed, like my engagement with this game, out it starts at like a well maybe a little higher than
1: medium because like i actually had pretty high expectations coming into this Um, yeah i thought that this would be a game that you would also really like i had high expectations for you yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was
0: built up on all of these false expectations
1: uh that and then it climbed
0: pretty steadily throughout until it hits that midway point and then it plateaus then i do the hell thing there's a huge spike (laughs) putting it at like this is awesome and great i love it and then the actual mechanical execution of the hell thing where it plummets down to like in the negatives um where i just start really hating it and then it never gets out of that ditch. Yeah. Like it gets it grows a little bit and then like falls a little bit and then it gets to the end and like the last puzzle's really boring and the actual end of the
1: game is kind of uh, uh, I actually the the like the final encounter, like the ending, I thought was actually pretty sweet. Okay, fair. But you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I
0: wasn't super into it. I didn't like the fact that they gave you a you have to die with mm. Well I'm okay with that concept. They give you a uh, an unwinnable fight in the form of a bunch of regular enemies, when the thing that you're trying to overcome is, like, a god. So I don't know why they had to do this weird thing where you're just, like, plowing dudes down for, as like, what? I did it for, like, eight minutes before I eventually get taken down. When they could have just been like, oh, yeah, the god is a 100 feet tall, picks you up and pops your head off (laughs) like a Coke bottle. Like, I don't... (laughs) It was totally unnecessary to have that bit, and they could have ended it, considering the game should have ended three hours before that anyway. Yeah. Right. Like, the, the rematches with the bosses were okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I cool. mean,
1: I like the, like, once you enter that realm and you're just, like, in badass god mode. Like, they had a cool, empowering, like, moment at the end. I thought that, that felt, like, earned, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt appropriate.
2: It was just because... The game partially to make the game last longer. Uh, a lot of the things <laughs> that tried to tonally hit were you being gradually worn down by, you know, hell, a place that kind of grates on you after a while. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and while that's nice, uh, it doesn't lend itself out to, that's nice. <laughs> to, to making, uh, to, to really building up the specific opposition that you face. Mm-hmm. Like, if you stand there and, st- and, and, If you grind at parody against something for eight minutes, that doesn't make the thing you're fighting against feel unwinnable. It makes it feel as strong as you, roughly. Sure. And as you were stating, if you're trying to build up, like, this is an unbeatable foe, the way that you generally want to try and express that, uh, if you aren't going to do it through just other visual indicators, um, is to make it just crush you like you like you like maybe you have like a 3 minute fight and then every now and again you know hella will chime in with some kind of like unblockable AOE thing or yeah. some some nonsense that takes your agency away like it's supposed to feel like when you're trying to do an impossible thing right you need your one damage indicators you need your like white dragon's
0: breath you yeah. need the uh, one-winged angel, something to make it feel really impossible to get over.
2: Yeah, and the, and the thing needs to have better pacing than to make the pacing entirely dependent on the player's ability. Because, as you could probably imagine, as someone who just didn't die uh, <laughs> the, through the game, it took me a pretty long time to actually finish the game. Yeah. When you get to that point, I just quit. Like I just gave up and was just like, and "What's going to happen?" Down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's actually not well it did reflect the state my mind was in at the time re like my enjoyment of the game uh, it did not re- really reflect what they were trying to go for there if, you, if you're gonna do that the enemies are an un- unending thing what you want is for them to spawn and ramp up their spawn so fast that no matter what happens you lose really fast mm. there's lots of other games my favorite weirdly I'm sure this isn't the best way that it's ever been implemented on because it's a fairly common trope mm-hmm. but the one that I remember the most uh is uh crisis core for the playstation portable (laughs) potentially the first psp game reference on this podcast uh but uh, that game ends with a really good example of this trope with limited hardware i mean it's the psp they still had to then they were using 3d
1: animated character yeah. models. It was a
0: big deal that the PSP could emulate PlayStation 2 games. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to put it in perspective as to what yeah. <laughs> hardware we're working Crisis
1: with. Core is like a Final Fantasy 7, Seven pre- prequel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. For anybody who doesn't know. It wasn't
0: yeah. a spin-off of the game
2: Crisis.
1: No.
0: Look at how good our graphics are on the PlayStation <laughs> portable.
2: portable. <laughs> but yeah. But that game ends with, like a, with an infinite number of mooks spawning up very quickly that just shoot you with guns until you are dead. Okay. Um, and it makes it all the better in that circumstance because they're like the cheesy it's like it's like if it's like if the last level of Mario was just like A million Goombas. Yeah, it was just Goomba <laughs> scaling up so because the Goombas are unbeatable.
0: That was just
2: uh, yeah, and honestly it totally
0: like. made that doable because they stack. Yeah. So like
1: you're like up on like you're it's on like, like a, hundreds of stacks.
0: Mario <laughs> is hanging like overalls torn, like off of the top of a Bowser flagpole, and the Goombas are stacking up around him crazy a staircase. <laughs>
2: they're, they're jumping onto themselves in such a way that it like simulates the churn of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Good. Mushblade Mario is sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> yes. so, so that's really what you want in situations like this. You really want your game to end. If you want to talk about impossible odds, godlike circumstances, you need an infinite number of Goombas. You need billions <laughs> of Goombas to, to flow like the sea upon you.
1: Yeah, it kind of felt like they... Either wanted it to be ambiguous, or weren't sure what ending they wanted to go with themselves. But mm-hmm. like, they were like, "Is she giving up and just kind of like wants the release of death?" So they just have all these enemies descend upon her and kill her. Or should she confront Hella and kill her, or whatever? Or at the very Hela's least, go down fighting. Yeah, go yeah. down fighting. And it kind of feels like they tried to go like with a halfway thing. Yeah
2: special yeah. props to hella's character model holy yeah. damn that is a well done character model of a thing I feel like most of the modeling in this game was actually really well done yeah
1: but like hella like has this like andy circus kind of golem thing going on <laughs> where like she crawls around in like really creepy ways
0: yeah the the as we mentioned because I was me and was sprinting uh it didn't quite catch me as off guard as it did you yeah there's
1: a yeah, there's that part like right when you enter that realm where you that final uh, encounter is, and you're like running across the bridges, and like you get to a spot where you get to the first platform, and she like crawls at you really fast, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> like, it's, like it's just like she's just like motionless, and then like, all of a sudden she's like right there because she's huge and like crawling at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm really glad to hear that you had the
0: same experience with that last segment, because I thought that I had undercut it personally, because I had turned the combat difficulty to easy, because I was sick of playing the game, and just wanted to get through it faster. Well, uh And I was like, oh, maybe I'm just, I need to turn it up to hard so this becomes difficult. Now, I
1: also, it went forever for me as well, Like because they give you like, like, the god sword is like full power at that last part. Yeah. And you're just like killing everything effortlessly, so... Even if you had the difficulty on regular, you probably still would have, like, gone gone forever. forever. (laughs) Damn.
0: But then the game does
1: end, uh, which is cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) With, like, a kind of ambiguous ending. I don't really know what happened. Neither do
2: I. I was going to ask you guys what happened. Without using the word Ragnarok, you can't use that word. Well,
1: it's not related. It's
2: okay. The the
0: implication, as far as I can tell, um, is that, like... It, the end is uh, you get beaten down. Uh, it shows that you're about to get murdered, and then you have this like realization or this recollection of uh, Dylan talking about the importance of letting go and how, like, eventually, like he like he should have given up way earlier is what he's saying is like because he was, oh, you in know, all kinds of bad shit. So you like accept death. And then through that acceptance, you sort of come out of what I'm assuming was some kind of stupor, and then proceed to like go on with your life, like none of it actually happened. That's the way that I read it, but there are other ways to read it that just like accepting death was how she triumphed over Mm -hmm. the god, or there could be a number of readings. Yeah, because
1: like you're shown to lose, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get killed by all the guys. And then there's that cutscene where it's, like, she accepts death and all that stuff, and she, like, lets go of the skull, you know, like, right. her memento of the past and everything. And then, like, she comes out of it, like, back to reality, and she's in that big building at the end of the bridge that you saw. Right. And there's just, like, a dead body there, and she, like, walks away from it, so, like... Who was that? Well, I think like, it was is that Hella. Yeah, because Hella puts your body down, and yeah. then you do a,
0: bo- a Freaky Friday, a, a Freaky Friday, and then, <laughs> and then you, yeah, and then that's when all that happens. So the, that's that that kind of ambiguity is the reason why I feel like it's just like playing the unreliable narrator thing up.
1: Mm-hmm. But at
0: the same time, even not knowing literally what happens, I feel like the ending cutscene hits. The tone that the game was going for, yeah, and provides like a semi-satisfactory conclusion to the story of the game. I was generally happy with the end.
1: Yeah, because like you get the sense that like she's at peace now, and that's all that the story was setting out to to do anyway. So whether she's dead or not, both (laughs) seem like they would be good.
2: She had a lot of room to go up from where she was (laughs) at. Yes. Infinite room, really.
1: So you want to talk about that puzzle where it's like completely dark and you have to use your senses to get through it?
2: Oh, and the good puzzle? Yeah. The
1: good (laughs) puzzle. (laughs) The sweet, awesome puzzle. But
2: with the one terrifying character model in the game that they never reused. Yeah. Uh, The thing that is just like
0: lumbering around. The lumbering thing. The lumbering thing. Yeah. (laughs) yeah it's a pretty it's a good good model
1: yeah like that's the kind of thing where the indie AAA like angle where i think really shown through it's like oh they if this was like produced by like an actual publisher like this part just wouldn't be in the game mm-hmm. Yep, you know like so it, the whole thing is like it's a mostly like completely pitch, pitch black area you cannot see where you're going And what you have to do is you have to follow, like, you have to move the camera initially to, like, when the controller starts lightly vibrating, and then you have to, like, follow that through the darkness, and then it changes to, like, following a voice, like, you have to use uh, your senses to get through it. And it, like, works really well, like, it's just challenging enough, like, I think they really nailed it.
0: Yeah. And that's also the part where the thing at the beginning of the game that says this game is best experience with headphones on for full binaural audio <laughs> uh, really actually is true. Oh, yeah. This is this think, game
2: was ruled at that.
0: Yeah. They, well, I felt like most of the audio design in the game generally was pretty ho-hum, I guess. Like, I think that the voice work was obviously really good, and the music where it existed wasn't anything really to write home about. I thought that in this moment... I, like it made you really tense listening for like the important sounds in like the vacuous mm-hmm. black space. Yeah.
1: yeah, I didn't play with headphones. Oh, neither did I. Yeah, but um, apparently, like the voices, <laughs> <Get> fun, developers. <laughs> yeah, the voices in her head were like recorded with like surround sound, mm-hmm. you know, technology, and they feel like they're coming from like all around your head. That's what I was referring to. Yeah. Like, like
2: it, the games. The, I noticed, weirdly, I don't know if this was intentional or not, that the surround sound of the ambient audio was kind of weird and not always, like, correct. It's hard for me to it's describe the way that it's off. It's the
1: VR version that's coming.
2: Right, yeah. But the sounds of the speakers could just come from anywhere from your perspective. I played like 70, 75% of the game with headphones. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, it literally feels like someone's whispering in your ear when otherwise it sounds just like a normal game with headphones on, and it was really effective for me with the contrast. Other sort of, like, design-based contrast that worked really well for me is how well this game incorporated its third-person perspective into the, the tones it was trying to convey. Uh, the way... It almost went back in time in this hilarious way, where it's it treats the camera like a thing holding a camera. Like, Senua oh, right. constantly, constantly looks at the camera in cutscenes, uh, like, communicating with the voices, you, whatever entity is speaking at the time. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm glad that you bring that up, because we talked earlier where Chad said, like, you're basically personified as one of the voices in her head. And, like, that those moments where she looks at the camera, like, really work. Like, they don't feel, like, wink-wink, oh, she's looking at you, oh, isn't it cool? Like, it, it because of, like, the context, like, she it, she looks at you like you're one of the voices in her head, and it, like, really is effective, and it really works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and, I, that's, of course, that's, by how good the motion capture was. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really effective when it could have easily been cheesy and stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Yeah, all quality on her gaze with that. That was honestly one of the biggest reasons that it was hard for me to pick up and continue playing the game. Because especially in the early moments, I was so freaked out by the way that Sunua stares back at you in cutscenes. Like, it actually like made me take a step back. So, mission accomplished on that part. <laughs> for sure, yeah. We have anything else we wanted to hit?
0: I was just going to ask, do we have final thoughts?
2: This game either needed to be four hours long with the same mechanics that it had, or it should have been an absolutely kick-ass experimental film. Either I would have been fine with. Uh, as it is, it's pressing up a little bit too hard against its own limitations. It In trying to be as long to better simulate like a modern video game campaign experience, it hamstrung itself a little bit. Um, And the goal that it set out in the first place to make me physically uncomfortable uh, (laughs) is, you know, an admirable goal, goal, a goal that it expressed very, very well, uh, but not necessarily the thing that I always look for in my entertainment. Um, If you haven't played this thing already, Keep in mind, uh, it's, it's going to not necessarily scare you, but creep you the hell out. Uh, Emphasis on hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and if that, if that seems like something that you think is, is worth a significant chunk of your time, go through it. Like it's, it's not that big of a burden for you to play this kind of experience. And it is very impressive what they managed to accomplish considering their limitations. I kind of want to go in here now and offer,
0: like, the exact converse opinion to most of what you said, Mm -hmm. which I'm actually a little surprised about. Um, But I I think it's because of taste more than anything. Um, Speaking Mm -hmm. of somebody who does seek out exactly that kind of media, things that are uncomfortable and, uh, like, creepy or frightening, if you go into this game as, like, a horror fan, this game will probably disappoint you. You have to go into it as what it sets out to be, which is more of, I guess, an uncomfortable game. Yeah. Um, Which that much I can agree on. I also think that your, your point about it being an experimental film hits the mark, like, completely, right? Because I've read quotes from the developers saying, like, we wanted to tackle this idea of mental health and and psychosis in a way that only games can, and anything could tackle it in the way that this game did. Yes. Like, the the mechanical elements of it are so rote and not engaging. The puzzle-solving was not special. The... I mean, I guess... Uh, the thing they were going for, and now we're going into actual conversation instead of Final Thoughts, and I'm sorry. It's okay. But I know that the thing they were going for is that psychotics have a tendency to be able to see patterns, which is why you're doing things like lining up blocks and shit
2: into runes. Yeah. But Adventure Games have been doing that since, like, 1995. And you're not just seeing patterns, which is why the mechanical representation of the psychosis fails. Right. What The thing that makes someone have that illness is they see the patterns whether they want to or not. Right. But that's not what you're doing. You're like, let's go find some patterns. And <laughs> you're no, looking for patterns. Yeah, and no schizophrenic is just like, all right, pattern time. Like, no one's... <laughs> they're not on board with that. That's why it's bad. Yeah. So, attempting to
0: portray mental illness in a way that is like uh realistic and like focuses on the character as opposed to somebody from the outside totally valiant i'm i'm all about everything that they did to that end but i think that as a game it mechanically falls down uh in that interpretation other than that i just wish that it had more of a laser focus that indie games tend to and not try and do everything and drop like all the balls because you're
1: not juggling if you're just tossing one ball up in the air you're... <laughs> it's a different thing uh, and I guess I echo a lot of what you guys said we're actually a lot more on the same page on this game than I expected there's a lot of stuff here that doesn't work there's like you know a lot of failures in here but there's also some successes you know a number of them and I would like to see them do another game in this way where they do like a triple-A quality game on a lower, more indie level budget. Yeah, I think the biggest thing against this game is the lack of variety and the fleshing out and the things that the lower budget didn't allow them to do. So if they could iron that stuff out, come up with a concept where they wouldn't have to cut so many corners to make it work... Uh, I think they could produce something really good, but...
0: Yeah. I feel like they cut all the corners and then took, like, the shitty corner pieces and stuffed them into other parts of the game to (laughs) make it
2: bigger. (laughs) Uh, Uh, How many more games like this do you think it'll take before people stop associating ninja theory with boob physics?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Uh, Hmm. At least two more. Yeah, alright, I'll put the stakes <laughs> in two.
0: <laughs> one more All pair right. is what it'll take. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Noclip this week.
1: What are we talking about next
0: time? Next time, we're going to be talking about West of Loathing. Yes. Um, and... Uh, fuck, I don't know anything about the game, so it's really difficult to give like that one-sentence summary. Uh,
1: but it, we are talking about West of Loathing. Uh, I've played like two hours of it, and it is a... Basically think of a cute, cheeky, like, indie RPG that looks like doodles you drew in your notebook <laughs> when you were in, like, elementary school. About the Wild West. Yeah, it's set in the Wild West.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, until then, you can get a hold of us. Go to, all of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com, uh, which you can also find at splattershot.pro for some reason. Uh, there you can find our YouTube, all of our old episodes, uh, Twitter, et cetera, email address. Uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes or a four-star review. I'm lowering my standards. Uh <laughs> recommend us to a friend, tell everybody about it. Uh, thank you for listening.
2: I don't have anything. Neither do I. This I'm game just really done. does not lend itself to, like, most <laughs> podcast jokes and tomfoolery. I wanted a scene where they, like, went, like, picking... Though they went picking flowers in a flare and I and was, I was... Goddammit. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted a
1: scene... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm sorry.